All righty, we are digging for wisdom once again. Professor Diggs, it's the Wizard, Diggsy and Wiz, and uh, we're talking week seven, and it has been a, yet another wild week coming up here. We don't have too many of them before the regular season is over. I always hate this time of year, Diggs, because I feel like we're we're just getting started, and district play is just getting started. But then you look at it, and you only have five weeks left. And we're past the halfway mark, and you're like. This stuff is getting away from us so quickly. It's like this is we waited all summer for it, and all of a, it doesn't even feel like we started. And it's it, it we're at the halfway mark, and it, it really it that's when it really sinks into me that people really that teams really need to step it up and and get serious about these last five weeks because it's when there's any kind of movement happens in this in the in your district races. Yeah, can you believe that you know some schools only have like four games left, depending on you know if they got that week eleven by and things are crazy. I mean, we are getting to the nitty gritty. And I, and I think we should take a moment to reflect, Wizzy, that this is episode eight. Did you ever think that Spotify would let us on their airwaves for eight episodes? I, I'm impressed. Especially with this cancel culture. I thought for sure I'd be canceled by week two. And you, I thought halfway through the first episode we canceled. But here we are, seven, seven weeks later into number eight. We're still going. Well, that's because we don't live podcast you while while you're watching a Commanders game. Now, if we would have had that live stream from Sunday, I don't know if we'd be on the air anymore. Oh, boy, I would have canceled myself. Boy, oh, boy, I, I don't understand why you always did bring that kind of stuff in. It's just going to change the whole mood of this particular podcast because now I'm upset again. But I'll fight through it, and we'll, we'll, we'll continue at some point. And then after the game, you're going to try to egg me on, and, and this Brad, Brett Esch guy, you're going to try to throw it out there. We're trying to get through it, and out of nowhere, two hours later, it's like, hey, I'd like to circle back around to these two lowlifes. It seemed like the commanders. I said, gummy digs. Brett, Brett was trolling me about that today. He got he, He's real sensitive about that. In fact, I had some, I had some big names in the high school football community comment about how sensitive – you and uh, Brett Eshar about the the commanders, but I, I won't even drop names. But I'll say it's it's upper tier kind of people. Mm-hmm. On you too. I do need to get over it, but it's something that I live with every day of my life. Like I told you in Twitter, I I let uh, I let my boys off the hook. If they want to go root for somebody else, they can, and I'll just stick with this lifelong freaking anguish of having to root for the squad. But we're not here to talk about commanders. We're here to talk about you know, week seven of the season, um, and, and maybe look a little bit back at week six, uh, especially at some of the games we were at. Now, week six had a a weaker Thursday schedule. You found a, a game that meant meant something as far as uh, District 9, 6A. I went to a couple of Frisco games hoping to, you know, learn a little something about Frisco Independence because as we talked before, that uh, district with Argyle and Lake Dallas and Independence. There's a lot of undefeated squads in there, and I'm trying to see if any of these teams kind of separated. And Denton, we agree that Denton was kind of the fifth or sixth team in that uh, in that district, trying to see if they deserve a playoff spot. Well, Independence tried to say no, you don't, because they came out when I was there and just and put their foot down and. And, and, and when you looked at Denton's offense, you kind of realized it was it was Coco Brown or it was nothing. And he did something on the very first play of the game uh, with big 75-yard touchdown. And after that, he got some yardage, but it was they were it was hard for them to get him the ball. And when they didn't get him the ball, it was something they couldn't do anything else. And, and the Knights kind of took over and won that one 44 to 10. 
also got a chance to see Lone Star play and Lone Stars. Uh, you know, we talked about their injury issues uh, the last two weeks. Well, a very good medicine for injury issue is playing a undersized Liberty team. And they certainly took advantage of that and scored early and often. If that doesn't gain them a little bit of confidence as they try to figure out a way to get back into the playoff race, I don't know what will. Now talk a little bit about your Thursday game. You you went out to uh, Lakeview Centennial as well uh, against Wiley, right? Yeah, Lakeview Centennial versus Wiley. Thursday night action at Homer B. Johnson Stadium in beautiful Garland, Texas. And I thought we would see Wiley uh, kind of get a foothold maybe on that fourth playoff spot, but instead it was Lakeview Centennial getting that foothold on that fourth spot. Uh, Lakeview Centennial was a much better team than I expected uh, from 1 to 22. They had a lot of good players. Uh, and, and, you know, usually with some of the Garland schools, especially in the middle tier of that district, you know, it's like with Naaman Force. You know, Naaman Force has got those, you know, that Marcus Deal guy and, you know, the Perales at quarterback. But then it really drops off after that. And uh, Lakeview Centennial kind of impressed me with their consistency across the board. They had a good offensive line, good running back, a, a very talented quarterback, a very talented secondary. Uh, they took care of business against Washington. Wiley, uh, they had they had a couple of things go their way in that game, uh, but Wiley just could not get it going offensively whatsoever against Lakeview Centennial. That Lakeview Centennial defense was stifling, and now all of a sudden North Garland is looking at this week as if if they can get uh, an upset win over Lakeview Centennial, maybe they can get back up in the uh, pack. Uh, so Lakeview Centennial with a nice win over Wiley this past week. And then Friday, we both, uh, heck, between the two of us, we saw uh, just about every team in 6-6A, except for two, uh, Plano West and Plano. Uh, but we, we saw the rest of them. I was at the Mound Showdown and then went over to Louisville, uh, Capel, and you, of course, were at Plano East and Hebron. Um, boy, Louisville's defense is something else, at least what they showed against Capel. They, Capel and, and Jack uh, Fishpaw, who was throwing the ball all over the place in the first couple of weeks, boy, they, he couldn't find his footing at all. And they, they, they cut him down to just short passes. And even those weren't working out for him. Meanwhile, they were running all over him with Viren Ellison, uh, who is in my eyes, one of the most underrated running backs we got going on here in the area. He's not getting that many college looks at all. And he, he controlled the. I think he ran for over 150 yards uh, he got one score, and then the fourth quarter, he just helped him eat the clock, and that was the runaway game there, 38-3. to And Mount Showdown, you you talked about it in the dump. Uh, Marcus is just living by the turnovers they create because otherwise it's they're in trouble in a lot of these games, but they they got four picks from Yale Erdman and, and, and turned those into points, uh, stopped big drives, uh, turned around, saw my sons both up in the crowd, and they're like, hey, Dad, I think they're gonna, we're going to pull it off. As you both, as we both know that we're in the Flower Mound School District, and I uh, got a text late in the uh, Louisville game. and said, yeah, never mind, Dad, we can't stop throwing interceptions. I was like, uh, who's coming to pick us up? I was like, just sit it out there and wait. I'm sure somebody's going to come get you. If not, you can ride some Flower Mound dejected bus back to school, and it'll take care of you. But Marcus gets that win, but again, it doesn't really prove to us uh, that they're the tops in that district. Uh, your thoughts on the Plano East Hebron game and maybe maybe what we learned at 6-6A on Friday. 
Yeah, 66A is everything we have talked about as far as parity. And every week, you know, there are a few teams that we talk about here on the DFW podcast that just doesn't seem right. You know, Lovejoy is one of them that, you know, we just can't wrap their head around it. It just doesn't seem right. Marcus is one of those teams that, uh, you know, they can't keep getting these four turnover games and only winning by eight, nine, 10, 11 points. So, you know, something is wrong at Marcus, and I've yet to figure out what it is because, you know, they had so much coming back, uh, looked so good in, in the scrimmage, uh, even looked good at times against Highland Park, and Highland Park is, is undefeated, but something is not right over there at Marcus, and it, it, it's almost like a chemistry issue that just, it's not that cohesive team, it's just a bunch of really good players that don't fit together for whatever reason and and I'm just speculating I, I don't have the answer I've, I haven't seen them but just the I, mean, I, I did see them against Jesuit in the preseason uh, but even in that even in that after the, uh, the the controlled scrimmage part they Jesuit started all of a sudden uh, moving up and down on them and and they kept making mistakes and they couldn't stay out of their own way and it just didn't look like what you expected uh, and at some point you know you are who you are and six weeks into it uh, you know maybe Marcus is a little overrated maybe maybe we've given them too much credit uh, I think Louisville is clearly the number one team I'm glad you mentioned Byron uh, Ellison because uh, you know everybody talked about Damian Martinez last year but when you look at that all district list uh, Byron made it, you know, and, and Damian Martinez got hurt in that Plain Luis game uh, and kind of struggled. And then, you know, what kind of settled the, the ship for uh, Louisville was Byron. And, uh, and, and he is a really good presence for uh, Louisville. And Louisville's defense, as you said, really stepped up. And we even talked about it last week, Ward. I'll, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back a little bit on this one because there's plenty of things I can't pat myself mm. on the back on. Uh, but, you know, we kind of talked about how Coppell might get blown out of the water against yeah. Louisville. We talked about that. It, it just kind of felt like they were trending in a way to where Louisville, unless there was a major turnover situation, that Louisville was just going to thump them. And five touchdowns later, uh, Louisville did thump them in, in that way. But every other game was pretty, uh, you know, one-two uh, possessions. And, and right now in 6-6-A, the overwhelming trend we're seeing is turnovers. Uh, you know, the teams that are getting the turnovers are winning the games. And even that Flower Mound Louisville game two weeks ago, the re reason it was so close is because uh, Flower Mound had the two turnovers, the Louisville had the two turnovers that Flower Mound got. And, and Flower Mound played a clean game. And when you get plus two turnovers and you play a clean game, you're only going to lose these games by a touchdown. I think uh, Louisville's probably two, three touchdowns better. And when you look at Coppell and Louisville, Louisville had, uh, they won the turnover advantage well. We know about Plano and Plano East from a couple of weeks ago and same thing Plano East uh, minus two on turnovers against Hebron uh, and Hebron had a good bounce back win over that uh, for me watching the Plano victory over Plano West uh, the only game we're not talking about in this uh, a little 6-6-A dump is that uh, it was a pretty clean game I mean both teams only had one turnover and Plano is just two scores better than Plano West and I think uh, that's really going to set up a game we'll be talking about here in, in a bit uh, with Hebron and Plano uh, potentially now being two playoff teams in this district well let's let's you said in a bit and we're about to start, start talking about next week's games why don't we start with 6-6-A and move, and move back to 3-6-A after that since we're already on it it's another week of, of games we're trying to figure out. We've got to figure this district out because, like I said, it's almost over. So we got to figure out who's going to stick their heads out there. In this week's games, we have a, a lot of uh, more 
games where you, like you said, you need the turnovers to be at a minimum if you're going to pull this one off. But let's start all with with that Hebron team that you saw last week against Plano. Uh, what do you think may happen in that game, and and who might step out? You know, the thing with Plano East is before uh, Daniel got hurt in early in that game. Uh, Plano East thought that they would be able to run the ball, and obviously uh, they had a hard, harder time running the ball because they had the backup running backs in there. Uh, and and Hebron had a uh, and Plano East had some success running the ball against Hebron, so I think Plano will have some success running the ball against Hebron. But Hebron, uh, you know, really had the dual threat going on. Uh, they had uh, a good running back situation, and their quarterback was able to take advantage of some play action passes and throw it deep. And Hebron defensively is, is one of the better defenses, I think, in this district. I will be shocked, again, when not accounting for turnovers and whatnot. I think Hebron is two scores better than Plano, assuming a clean game. Uh, but Plano, the way they've been playing, they've been playing a style of football that doesn't lend itself to risk right now. They're managing the risk very well. Uh, Drew Forkner, the quarterback over there, is just playing smart football. Uh, he's not trying to force it. And I, and I think uh, uh, the Plano, quarter, Plano East quarterback and the and Flower Mound quarterback have both been kind of forcing the ball down the field. The, the route trees are not in a way to where, uh, you know, if, if a ball deflects, it's going to get intercepted. Uh, they might have to clean up some of those schematics. Uh, but Plano isn't playing like that. They're running the ball and they're throwing safe passes, uh, which is keeping them in these games and, and allowing them to win games. So Plano has is probably a favorite as far as if you're going to look at a team who's not going to get turnovers in that game. I think Plano is one of those teams that's playing smart football. Uh, so that's where I think this is such a fascinating game. You've got Hebron, a team that uh, uh, is high risk, high reward at times. Uh, you know, if they play a clean game, I think they are one of the better teams in the district, but they're playing a Plano team that's not going to be making mistakes. All that being said, I'm taking Hebron in the game, uh, but I would if I look back and Plano is winning in the third quarter, fourth quarter, I think I'm going to pull up that statistic and go, okay, Plano is playing yet another clean game, and Hebron is is fumbling and, and having interceptions and and playing a little more risk averse. So uh, it, it'll be a fascinating game, but I think Hebron is a little bit underrated, especially after that very first week when Jesuit beat them so badly. That's right. That's right. It's, and, and, and another game that you're going to be at is Plano East against Flower Mound. You're driving into my neck of the woods. I don't really care for that much. I don't really like to have you in there, especially the way you've been talking about Flower Mound. So we may put up some court sort of defense to keep you out, but I don't think it's going to work. But talking about the exact, I think they're the exact opposite of what you're talking about with Plano playing a clean game. I mean, I talked to uh, a prominent Flower Mounts fan on the sidelines has been to all the games, obviously. And he, when he's talking about Yale Erdman, he's like, it's almost like he's seeing, seeing ghosts out there. He, he's seeing things that aren't there. And and the four picks last week kind of shows that he's, he's throwing the ball in places he probably shouldn't show in it. And a lot of the Jaguar fans thought after a year of, you know, he played for half the year because Nick Evers was hurt and that figured that experience would lead to something this year. And it's almost like he's retracted a little bit and, and, and stepped back a little bit. Now they got a Plano East team that's kind of reeling and they need to pick up a win. Uh, talk to me about how you feel this game may go. Yeah, with, with Plano East, it's so hard to predict because the first three games of the year, uh, they had one turnover in, in all three games and that now we're in. A district play and uh, two games and they've got six turnovers and 
uh, and they're just not generating turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. Whereas Flower Mound, at least against Louisville, generated a couple of turnovers, but kind of regressed against Marcus. And and Marcus's defense is kind of one of those, you know, elements of the game uh, that we're not talking a lot about because Louisville, you know, they, they had that 38-3 win over Coppell, looked great, uh, and, you know, you, you, you hopped up their defense. But uh, uh, Marcus's defense is really keeping them in a lot of these games as well, forcing the turnovers. Uh, you know, they're, they're playing these games in the 20s against some of these offenses that can score 30, 40 points uh, if things go their way, and, and they're finding ways to generate those turnovers. All that being said with Flower Mound, uh, if, if Flower Mound plays the kind of game where uh, they're not having turnovers because either the East defense isn't being opportunistic or they kind of, you know, make an adjustment and, and run some of those route trees to where uh, your Erdman can make smarter decisions without feeling stressed because the Plano East defensive line is probably the strength of their team. They're going to get back there and they're, they're going to put some stress on them. They're going to pressure them. Uh, so, you know, if you get like Walter Mulkey out of the backfield, uh, some of those plays where it's just quick and it, it doesn't take much thought. I think Flower Mound will play a, you know, a very competitive close game with Plano East. But if it's one of those situations where uh, they're asking him to do too much, I think Plano East could bounce back in this game uh, with a big win. I'm going to take them anyways, of course, because they are my Panthers. Uh, but, you know, Flower Mound's opportunities to win uh, – they're going to have to run the ball and they're going to have to play turnover free football. And if they can do that, I think they will be a favorite in this game, but they haven't shown that they could do either two of those things consistently. Plano East has one of the best offenses in the area. If you look at them, uh, they're going to get their yards, but uh, again, they're always having to chase some of those yards at the end of the game. So it'll be fascinating to, to see these matchups. Both these teams are wounded and it's pretty much an elimination game. You go 0-3 in this district, it's going to be hard to come back. Uh, not impossible, but hard. Uh, so I, I think the Panthers will bounce back on the road. Uh, but Flower Mound, they're a very dangerous 0-5 team. It, it's, it's not the way it looks, especially in this district. Nobody's going to look at Flower Mound and go, oh, that's an easy win. Same thing with Plano East. Nobody's going to look at them at 0-2 in district and go, oh, that's an easy win. Not in this district. There's just too much parity. Yeah, you're exactly right on that one. And uh, another team that I'm – we talked about Marcus and another reason why they're a little hard to figure out is, is looking at Cole Welliford. He's putting up the yardage, 1,100 yards passing. But you look a little deeper and he's only got the four touchdowns through five games and, and the two picks. And it seems when I was there, it seemed like most of their yards came from the running game. The running game seemed to be doing things. But when you went into the season, you thought it was going to be Welliford. Uh, hitting Ashton Cozart all the time for for big plays and big yardage. And Cozart has the 17 catches, and he averages 14 yards per carry, but or per catch. But he uh, in the game we were, he dropped one that was right in his breadbasket, which was going to be a 50 plus yard touchdown. And it kind of they never went back to him the whole first half again, and it was all run this and run that. And I don't know if they how you feel about Cole Welliford, but they got a game against uh, Capel here, which. You were talking about Capel struggled to score against Louisville. They probably are going to struggle a little bit against the Marcus defense as well. So it, it's prime for Marcus to win this one, but they've got to find a way to put points up. Yeah, you know, 
it almost gets back to that game you were telling me about very early. I think it was week three, uh, North Crowley against Lovejoy, when you were kind of breaking down what you thought about that and how uh, North Crowley kind of made the adjustment to, uh, you know, dare, dare them to run and kind of bracket those receivers. And I think, Marcus, people have been so scared about Cozart, this well over Cozart thing. You're seeing teams do that, uh, which is forcing Marcus to take what's there, which is the run, you know, and, and they're, they're taking it, but it's slowing the game down and, and keeping them uh, from putting up these really big yardage and, and really big point numbers. And it, it's almost frustrating them. It's like they're not playing the kind of football that they want to be playing over there with the talent that they have. But at the same time, they got smart coaches over there. They're going to take what's given. Uh, and right now the run game is what they're, they're giving. And they're like, well, if you're going to beat us, this is how you're going to have to do it because uh, we're going to have an extra safety up high uh, to, to kind of keep an eye on Cozart. And, and, and we're not going to just let him run 50 yards downfield behind everybody. He's at least going to have a, a free safety on him at, at the end, even if he gets by the cornerback. Uh, so I, I feel like that's a little bit of Marcus's problem. And uh, once, you know, you see that on film and, and you probably saw that at the Highland Park film, uh, I think you're seeing other teams emulate what Highland Park did to kind of slow them down. And, you know, it, flattery, you know, with imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. It, it's gotten around. The tape has gone around. And I think Marcus hasn't been able to fully adjust uh, to that end, which is leaning. So therefore they're having to lean on their defense a little bit more. Coppell, uh, I think Coppell, got a little bit exposed against Louisville. And I think, um, you know, this has an opportunity to almost be a defensive battle because of, of, of the two kind the two matchups and, and the, and the way things are going and the strength of, uh, uh, Braxton Myers. Did I get that right this time? Braxton. You got Myers. it. You got it. No birthing project. No, no more birthing there. Uh, and, and, and therefore, you know, I, I don't think Marcus is going to be running it, you know, running it deep with him in the backfield as well. Uh, so I think Marcus is going to win like a 28 to 14 kind of a game, uh, almost a good old fashioned slugfest, but Marcus is learning how to win these games. Uh, and it might actually help him out when it comes to the playoffs, because learning how to win those kind of ugly games uh, where you're not forcing the ball down the field could be good for their long-term prognosis. Yeah, Braxton actually got himself a pick last week against uh, against Louisville. I always like it when the big name guys get picks because it's so hard to do at the high school ranks. It's once a uh, team sees that you have a clear Division One DB, they'll go to the other side where they have clearly no Division One DBs, and then that poor kid doesn't get a ball thrown his way and has to find a way to make plays. But Braxton found a way to make a play in that game. Hey, let's go back to 3-6-A. I know we, we kind of started off this thing a lot on 6-6-A, but 3-6-A's got a lot of big-time games this week, including our game of the week, which is Boswell and North Crowley. Uh, between the two of them and 10-0, they both had their share of signature wins. I mean, yes, Trinity is 0-5, but that win for Boswell was big for them because they, they got – beat badly by them a couple for a couple of years and they got one at home and it, it helped them build some momentum. They let their fans see what they had because it was at the, at the home field. It's like, okay, this is the kind of team we have putting out here. Now they're heading the road to North Crowley who also beat Trinity and had another big win over uh, Lovejoy to hang their hat on too. These are teams. I mean, this is going to be for the district title. So uh, these are teams that are clearly at the top of three, six, a, which, we may not have said at the beginning of the year or last year or anything like that. I mean, we talked about they're talented, but it, it, now that it's come to fruition that these are going to be the top two teams in this district. Uh, talk to me about how you think this game would go. And, and knowing this as these two teams, is that going to play a factor in it saying, okay, hey, especially 
they, with the bye week they had and, and going into this game, uh, it's, there's a lot of buildup to it. So who can handle that buildup and who can handle the hype the most? I, I think you should take this moment right now, Ward. Let, let's step back from that and just go a little bit further down 183. I think you should apologize to everybody in the city of Hearst because you pretty much just disrespected them at the mouth, even though they're 2-0 and as well, 5-0. and and you're, you just did not even include them in the in the district championship talk. Why why do you hate LD Bell Ward? Well, I just I mean, as I just said, they don't have the signature wins, and I'm not saying I hate them, but I think if you dug deep What's within yourself, more? why do you hate if, them? If you're digging deep within yourself, you know that this uh, Boswell game is is probably for the district title. You're going to tell me that in about five to ten seconds here, but right now you're going to try to put me on the spot. The fact of the matter is there is no signature wins there at Bell and that their last five games is the meat of their schedule. So they're probably going to have a little bit more trouble than they had in the first half of the season. And I personally don't think they are our top two team, but you're going to say the same thing, but I'm the one who's going to be put on the spot first. So go ahead and say what I just said. Repeat it back to me. You're, you're horrible, Ward. And you're not even going to go watch them on week 11 when they play Trinity for the, the district championship. Most well, I'm, week, I'm watching them in week seven when they play Weatherford in a couple of days here. So I'll, I'll jump on them before everybody else does. And, and, and you won't see them at all, by the way. Uh, Coach Dibble, if you're listening to this, he won't see them at all. So It's true. Let's, I won't see them at all. I, if they if they if they would have scheduled that Trinity game not on week eleven, I got Lovejoy and uh, Melissa in that game. Uh, I've already got that one penciled in for all the reasons we've talked about. But yeah, I do, I do think North Crowley and Saginaw Boswell is for the district championship. Uh, but but I just want to know why you hate LD Bell. I, yeah. Just so the way the way you speak of them, you know the tone like that that little breath. It, the, the way you have that breath, it's like LD Bell. You know you just. So it's almost it's almost if I didn't spend a whole afternoon with them and then put together a wonderful story for inside high school sports to how great they're doing. It's almost that's how much I hate hate I must have for Bell that I didn't spend the time to tell the people of the Metroplex what a wonderful start they're having and what how what a great change of culture they got going on over there at Bell. That, that, that they played this week. What's that, Dixie? that on tv this week it happened last weekend just oh, it happened last week yeah. okay. another like show you that know. you missed i oh, love how our awesome. employees are missing the shows left and right what is going on here i'm a bell lover i went down there i was on campus i talked to bell uh coach dibble i talked to coach vance a bunch of the players we all are bonded talking about how this is going to be a different year against trinity they're not going to hold up those signs saying you can't spell bell without 24 l's they are doing something there bell and here we have Diggs, who won't even be caught dead over Pennington Field unless it's a playoff between two small schools. With, with, with the paper costs these days, you can't put all of those L's on that run through anymore. Uh, you know, I, I, I had one of my friends from Houston actually messaged me about this game. Uh, he's like, hey, Diggs, what do you think about this North Crowley-Boswell game? It sure looks good. And, and my response was actually a little bit negative. I was like, you know, it, it looks good on paper because it's 5-0 and versus 5-0. and But still, to me, the story in this district is what Trinity hasn't done more than what North Crowley and Boswell has, have done. And, and that probably is a little bit disrespectful uh, to, to my friend, my coaching friends over at North Crowley and Boswell. Uh, but, you know, nobody would have expected Trinity to be 0-5 at this point. Uh, and I'm already hearing, you know, that the hot 
the hot seat is fired up. The Bunsen burner is on, and uh, there is dissension in the uh, 183 traffic area, and it's not because of all the traffic in that area, uh, but uh, it is just fascinating to see, you know, what would we be talking about right now if Southlake was 0-5, you know, I mean, it's that kind of story it's that kind of uh team and that kind of legacy uh but where there is opportunity there is somebody to take advantage of that opportunity and i think north crowley and boswell are those teams to take advantage of that opportunity for me it just comes down to north crowley's defense north crowley's defense is suffocating if Lovejoy had a hard time figuring it out against North Crowley, uh, even though Boswell's had a pretty good offensive uh, season this year, uh, you know, averaging almost 45 points a game. I think North Crowley is going to shut it down. I think North Crowley will probably be a two touchdown favorite in this game. But, you know, every time I pick against Boswell, they tend to make me have a foot get shoved in my mouth. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things where I don't feel great about that pick, uh, but I feel I feel in intellectually safe in that pick. But then the emotions on it, Boswell steps up and they play a really good football game. Uh, but, you know, kind of throwing it back to you, I am very underwhelmed at the game you're going to be at, even though the records say five and zero against four and one. I mean, do you have a feel like this is a big game with a five and zero and four and one, or do you feel like you're just seeing two random teams on a Friday night? Yeah, well, I'm not, I don't want to say random teams, but I'm seeing two teams that ha that have reaped the benefit of a of the schedule that they put together for themselves and are nine and one together, but. There's a very good chance one of these two teams, if not both of them, makes the postseason, whether we like it or not. And whether I'd like to see what Weatherford has. I mean, obviously they they started off by being you know losing or they didn't start off, but they lost in, at Crowley after they we gained so much trust in them, and then they lose to a Crowley team that LD Bell has beaten. And and L, L, I mean to Bell's credit. They're beating teams that they haven't beaten in the past, even if they aren't the class of the uh, conference or even class of the Metroplex. They weren't teams they were beating over the last couple of years. So there is a change in their mindset as far as, hey, you know, we can do this. And, and like we said in the piece that you did not watch, uh, Coach Dibble's like, they're not patting themselves on the back. They're like, we haven't reached the goal, which is our goal is to make the playoffs. And they still have a chance of doing that. And it's funny that we say they still have a chance at, at five and oh yeah of course they have a chance but like you said this is not a team of superstar players that okay everybody wants to gather around but it's a way to tell what they have and if if one of these two teams can make the postseason uh we will be able to tell that i think from this game so you go from you think both teams are going to make the playoffs to, to maybe one. one of the two to now yeah. Maybe neither of the two? Maybe neither of them. I'm all over the place. You know how it is. I think one of the two teams definitely does make it, but go ahead. You know, I mean, this is a team, Weatherford, that just – I've been very underwhelmed. You know, losing to Crowley 31-17 – uh, you know, it wasn't that they lost, it's that they got dominated by Crowley and then barely be beating Burleson uh, with like a last second Hail Mary kind of a thing, uh, beating a Richardson Pierce team that was down at the time. Uh, you know, they started out with a nice win over Keller Central and, you know, okay, we got Weatherford, but something has happened over the last couple of weeks uh, and, and beating Chisholm Trail, that, that's a nice win to get back there. Uh, I have no trust in Weatherford whatsoever. I'm taking LD Bell in this game. Uh, and you have the direct calibration that you already talked about, that Bell already beat Crowley. Crowley dominated Weatherford. Uh, so I expect Bell to beat Weatherford. But, you know, Ward, you brought up the really good point about the bye week and how, you know, each team has had two weeks to prepare for this. They've had a chance to recalibrate 
maybe get some players healthy. And I think that might give Weatherford a little bit of a, you know, that's, that's the one thing when I look at this matchup and all of a sudden I go, okay, well, maybe Weatherford has figured it out. Maybe Weatherford will uh, make an adjustment, do something in the, this two-week period because they've got good coaches over there uh, to, uh, you know, get over that hump of versus LD Bell because we know about that calibration with uh, Crowley and the fact that they lost to Crowley so convincingly and LD Bell beat Crowley. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the smart money has got to be on LD Bell. Uh, but two weeks to prepare, especially with Weatherford's, uh, you know, history of winning and, and, and history of the last couple of years of being a playoff team in this district, that might be a, an intangible we look back at in, in a, next week and go, okay, well, I guess maybe Weatherford figured it out. Right. It's, 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 it's whether which, which team believes that this, their starts are for real, because, you know, you can also hang your head on the, hang your head on the bell three point where they barely could score against Sam Houston, where everybody else is putting their foot all over the place on Sam Houston. And they ended up just winning 10 to seven. So it's who they, who believes that, Hey, we should be the record that we are. And let's continue this trend. If they, if you really believe in yourself, they, you probably come out there and, and do what you got to do. As I try to be a motivational speaker, do you believe in yourself? Can you believe this is who you are? But let's move on to four, six, a, and we have a uh, fossil red against temper Timber Creek on our, our sheet here to talk about. And I think a lot of that has to do with where we think South Lake Carroll could wind up depending on who makes the playoffs here. Talk about who you think is going to win in this one because Timber Creek's off to a tough start at one and four, but they could do some things here and, and kind of throw a, uh, I forget what the phrase is, something about upset the apple cart or some nonsense here and, and flip South Lake all over the place. Yeah, you don't like apple carts. I know that. That's, that's that good, healthy food. You, you no sense me eating any apples, right? Let's, let's go straight to the Pop-Tarts. There you go. Apple-flavored Pop-Tarts of that. But uh, this game is important for exactly the reason why you said. Uh, the way the wins have kind of factored out already, if Fossil Ridge can beat Timber Creek this week, They'll have buffer wins over Timber Creek and Eaton uh, with Central and Haltham still to go, which we will presume to be wins, although uh, we are in high school football and, and nothing is ever, uh, you know, that's why they play it on the field and not on the computer sheet or on the podcast dial. Uh, but I think Fossil Ridge will be a huge favorite uh, if, if they can beat Timber Creek. Uh, and even though Timber Creek is only one and four, it, it's a solid one and four. I mean, they played, uh, you know, they, they had they had a, you know, they've had some bad losses, but you look at that game against Coppell and you kind of see, well, okay, this is what Timber Creek can do. And I, and I think part of that has been realizing that maybe Coppell wasn't what we thought they would be. Uh, but Timber Creek, you know, you get Timber Creek and Fossil Ridge under uh, the, the lights over at Keller ISD you know throw out the windows anything can happen uh, and certainly when these color schools play each other I think we've seen that over the last five to seven years uh, that there's always one or two wonky results in, in Keller ISD games uh, and if Timber Creek can do it it reintroduces them back into the playoff picture but if Fossil Ridge can knock it out I think we're going to see South Lake Carroll uh, be almost you know probably a 95 percent guaranteed D1 team. Yeah and um you would think they would hope to go division division two in that one. So yeah, that's going to be a big one to, to, to find out what's going on there. And the Timber Creek's kind of the opposite of what I was talking about with Bell and, and Weatherford. They, they kind of, you look at the last two scores and they've lost 120 to two to the big dogs in the league. So they're kind of went into those games thinking, you know, maybe not believing in who they were. And once they started falling behind then the 
floodworks come flying in and all heck breaks loose. So maybe it's a deal if Fossil Ridge can get out to a quick start, they maybe go ahead and put this team away. Now we're going to skip over 6-6A since we just talked about them and, and 5-6A is on their bye. Let's go on to 7-6A where there's a big game between Richardson and Richardson Pierce. And I always hang my hat on what you said a couple weeks ago. Hey, which Richardson team's going to show up? The one that blows teams out or the one that gets blown out? Now they're playing Pierce, which is a little bit closer to to where they are as a team, you would think it'd be a, a fairly close-ish game, especially since a uh, lot's around on the line for Pierce here. They're trying to prove to be a, a a playoff team here. And in order to do that, they got to beat these Eagles and they would like to be on the side of the teams that blow out Richardson. But what do you think about this game coming up? Yeah, just kind of a, a brief primer on 7-6-A if you're new to the podcast or haven't been following the 7-6-A talk. This district is very much sewn up except for the last playoff spot. We had a, a big game last week where Highland Park beat Jesuit uh, 35-28. Jesuit had a very big comeback uh, fourth quarter attempt uh, but couldn't complete it. Uh, and Jesuit has already played Lake Highlands and Jesuit has uh, beat Lake Highlands and Highland Park has already played Lake Highlands and beat Lake Highlands. So we're going to see a lot of games where, you know, Highland Park is playing Irving and Highland Park is playing Nimitz. Highland Park is already pretty much locked in the number one seed. And we're only, you know, talking about how early the season is. They're, they're three games into it and they've pretty much locked that up. Jesuits pretty much locked in the two seed and Lake Highlands is pretty much locked in the three seed. So the question on the four seed right now is because Richardson Pierce did beat uh, Irving MacArthur last week in overtime. Can Richardson Pierce knock off one of the big three teams or perhaps create uh, needing the help of Irving MacArthur, create a three-way tie. And the only way that uh, Richardson Pierce can make that a reality, as you've noted, is they got to beat their crosstown rivals. And you, you talk about the mountain showdown, you talk about some of these other games, uh, Richardson and Richardson Pierce has been one of those games historically where you can kind of throw the records out. Uh, these two teams uh, dislike each other. It's Richardson's homecoming. I mean, it is, uh, they're, they're right there on Coit Road. It is a very good rivalry. Uh, but I think Richardson Pierce has to dominate this game to show that they can qualify potentially for the fourth seed, especially as good as Richardson Berkner has played. To be clear, Richardson Berkner is the favorite for the fourth seed uh, but Richardson Pierce even though they've already lost to Richardson Berkner uh, they're the only team that I think has a realistic chance to uh, overcome Berkner especially if they play much better in the second half and Berkner slips up but in the week 11 against Irving MacArthur uh, and it's got to start with this game and I think Richardson Pierce will be dominant and beat Richardson by three or four scores yeah I kind of agree with you on that one um and, and with Berkner already beating Pierce, they've already got a kind of a leg up on him as it is. So they they need to get a couple crazy wins. And Pierce started off the season so badly. It's nice to see them getting started to pull off some wins here. They got two in a row. Granted, one of them was against Nimitz, but it was a big win against MacArthur last week. So we'll see how this one goes. Uh, moving on to 8-6A, we have Arlington versus Bowie. Uh, in a very interesting game, where, that also has some uh, playoff deals because we haven't figured out the back end of the playoffs in this district at all either, have we? Now we haven't. And, uh, you know, I, I really put some research into this game uh, for the podcast and for the uh, uh, DFW Varsity Pick'em, which you've told me this week I spend way too much time hanging my hat on. I'm a little offended yeah. by that, Ward, as you're reigning and defending DFW Varsity Pick'em champion and currently number one this year in the Pick'em champion. You think I should be hanging my hat on this sports writer award that I, yeah. that I got? But, yeah. 
you know, TFW pick them. That, that's a big award to win. So I, I, I put in a little bit of extra research for this Bowie and Arlington game. And I think there is something that you talked about a little bit earlier that Arlington has had two weeks to prepare for this game. Uh, and I think that's going to be an intangible. Uh, but Arlington and Bowie have both played Grand Prairie. And even though Grand Prairie is 0-6, when you really delve into that Grand Prairie versus Arlington box score and the Grand Prairie versus Arlington Bowie box score, Grand Prairie played those teams a lot better than you would think an 0-6 team would or should, especially when you look at how bad Roy City beat uh, Grand Prairie and even Lake Dallas, a team that we'll talk about later on in 5A Division II. Lake Dallas had their way with Grand Prairie, and then all of a sudden, district starts. Grand Prairie played those teams much more competitively. But if you dive into those two box scores, I think Arlington Bowie played Grand Prairie a little bit better, and they have the more, more explosive athlete. And I know that's a, a didn't we have a, a little bit of a talk on that on last week or this week on the uh, on the old TV show? That's right, uh, the Kelby Valson. We talked a, talked a lot about him going to Texas Tech as one of those big time slot kind of receivers and deep threats. Yeah, when you have you, when I think there's going to be very little argument that he's the best player on the field, uh, and he he is a game changer. So I think Bowie will beat Arlington, but I think it'll be a one score game. It's funny because we talk about the bye week. Yeah, Arlington's coming off one, and Bowie's Bowie's having one of the later bye weeks that a Metroplex team is having after this. So. And that may actually play a little bit of a factor. I don't think it's going to swing the thing, but uh, swing who wins the game. But Bowie's a little bit more uh, seasoned. They're, this will be their seventh game before they get a bye, whereas as Arlington's coming off two weeks ready to prepare. So will the rest do them some good and, and Bowie not? I don't know, but we will find out. And, and it'll help flush out this district and find out what we have here. Uh, 9-6-A is another district that we always have trouble figuring out who that fourth team is going to be. Uh, Garland's playing name and forces the game I'm going to be at on Thursday and then also North Garland's playing uh, Lakeview Centennial as well and this this will help us really put structure to the playoff race here I think Garland and name and force we both agree are probably going to be in uh, name and for it but this will just see where these two teams stand as far as being behind Wiley East who I think we both agree is going to be the, the number one team out of there so talk to me about what you think about this name and force Garland game yeah, Naaman Forest versus Garland, I think, is going to be a fantastic game. Uh, Naaman Forest has not looked the, the part lately, you know, the, the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I, I might be having that Plano East bias where you're coming off a, a big win over Naaman Forest, and you're like, okay, and you want the team to be a little bit better. Uh, obviously, they're 2-1 and one in district, but uh, it hasn't looked pretty all the time. Uh, you know, they struggled with Rowlett at times. You know, Rowlett had them uh, in, up in the fourth quarter. Uh, but then, you know, things get a little bit better when you play Saxe, and, and I think they had their game against South Garland as well, if I remember right. Uh, you know, South Garland is the Frisco Liberty of 9-6A to where if you want to get things right, uh, you want to get South Garland on your schedule. Yeah. Uh, and, and certainly we saw that with Rowlett this past week, Rowlett beating South Garland the way they did. Uh, you know, I think Wiley East uh, is, again, the clear number one team. Uh, Naaman Forrest versus Garland, I think, is for your number two spot. And I think that uh, I'm going to give Naaman Forrest a little bit of the of the advantage, but Garland has looked good on both sides of the ball. Uh, but something, Wiley East in that second half, they put it, I mean, that was a 3 nothing game at halftime. And then all of a sudden, you know, Wiley East goes up, you know, and wins that game very convincingly going away. Whereas Naaman Forrest and Wiley East, that was a pretty much a good four-quarter game. 
so when I look at those two uh, comparison games, I think Naaman Forrest has a little bit of an advantage over Garland. They have they have some playmakers, uh, and I think they'll take that game. I think uh, Lakeview Centennial will hang on against North Garland. Uh, but in this game, one thing I'm gonna I'm just gonna throw this out there a little bit of a breadcrumb. Watch out for Rowlett over Wiley just because of matchups. Uh, Wiley runs the ball. Or, you know, Wiley is very good against the run, uh, and they struggle with the pass, and that kind of plays into the matchups of what Rowlett can do. Uh, so keep an eye on that game. Uh, I haven't fully decided if I'm going to pick the upset pick on that game, uh, and I don't have to because we're not picking that and we're not talking about it, and this conversation never happened. But watch out for Rowlett in that game. Could be something else, huh? Could be a nice little win there. And, and Wiley's taken two losses to Lakeview Centennial in, and I believe they lost to North Garland as well, right? So that's that's kind of keeping them out of that fourth spot unless they get what you call one of the an extra win over a team they shouldn't. That's going to be Wiley's different. two and one. They've only lost to, to Lakeview Centennial. Only lost to Centennial? Okay. Very much like Frisco Wakeland. I just bury them early. You know, you got one loss, you're done. Uh, but, you know, they still have everybody left. I mean, they still have to play Wiley East, uh, Garland, and Naaman Forrest. So, in my head, uh, that's four losses right there. Uh, so, you know, I, I can't see them getting over that hump. They did beat uh, North Garland. It was a close game. I think it was okay. 22 uh, But uh, I, I don't think Wiley can make the playoffs and overcome that Lakeview Centennial loss, especially with everybody they've got left. But, as you said, uh, all these games are winnable. So if Wiley can beat Wiley East, that's a rivalry game, uh, and maybe beat a Garland or Naaman Forest, they can overcome that loss to Lakeview Centennial. Right. No givens there. 10-6A, we got – we always talk about how it's a 17 district. It's you, you got to pick up your wins where you can pick them up. And Mesquite's playing Mesquite Horn. We know the two Rockwall teams are in the playoffs. The way Mesquite Horn's playing, I'm, I'm putting them, them in. And Mesquite needs to kind of – pull off a win here to 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 get in that fourth spot unless they're going to beat Roy City straight up which they probably could uh, down the line here when they face them but they got back-to-back tough ones against I mean their, their schedule is not going to be easy the rest of the way out Mesquite the Skeeters they got they got Horn Roy City North 40 and then Rockwall and then they get their buys so I talked about uh Bowie getting their buy after week seven well they're uh Mesquite doesn't get there by until after they finish playing their games. So that if they make the playoffs, that's great because you have an extra week to prepare for. But if they don't, then you're in trouble here. Get basketball season a little bit early. Yeah. Uh, you know, we even talked a little bit about it last week. I'm not going to put as much stock as some people are into that Rockwall versus Mesquite Horn game because Rockwall Heath, or, or when Rockwall and Rockwall Heath play, if you look over the last five or six years at the next week, one of those two teams, usually the winning team, has a pretty big, uh, a big letdown. And I think this year that was Rockwall. Uh, Rockwall Hor- or Mesquite Horn has enough athletes to take advantage of that. They're they're certainly a very good team. Uh, but I think if if you play that game ten times, uh, Rockwall is going to win that game handily, probably six or seven of those times. And they'll probably win all ten of the times. But we'll, we just got one of the ones that was a little bit closer than what we would have expected. Uh, I think Mesquite Horn is a better team than Mesquite, just athletically. Uh, they've got more talent. They've got more uh, playmakers. Uh, Mesquite is very thin at, at, at places, especially in their secondary. Uh, you know, they don't have a lot of depth uh, in the offensive line. I think there's some question marks. Uh, I think Mesquite Horn will be a nice favorite over Mesquite. 
Mesquite. Uh, but Mesquite versus Roy City, I think that'll be a much different matchup because we talked about Mesquite uh, maybe having some secondary concerns. Well, Roy City, they don't like to throw the ball. You know, if they throw the ball five times a game, uh, you know, they're probably doing something wrong. And that might play into Mesquite's strength uh, that their front seven is, is a little bit better. So, you know, there's a lot of interesting matchups as things go along in this district. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, I still like Mesquite Horn and Mesquite as my third and fourth playoff team. Uh, but, you know, I need to see more of Roy City. And, and Roy City is, is kind of one-dimensional right now. You look at that game last week, uh, and uh, they only had five passes. And I don't think they can win big games in this district just running the ball. You know, this isn't 1982 anymore where you can just uh, – even Trinity has progressed to throwing the ball at least ten times a game uh, most weeks. So uh, I, I think Roy City is a little bit, for me, a little bit of a struggle and a little bit of a question mark. Yeah, 1982 was the uh, was the last time L.D. Bell went to state. And it's interesting that I know that considering how much I hate L.D. Bell the way you're talking. But I happen to know a little bit of their history. So, again, I know uh, about L.D. Bell and are a fan of them more than Diggs is. And I just proved that. So let's go ahead and give him my But did you know that, that Coach Ball was on that 1982 team? Yeah, Mark Ball from Wiley, who I I, – I, 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 put on the Wiley, the big Wiley Pirates back when Wiley was making state championship runs. Coach Ball was on that uh, on that staff. I, I, I got my, know I got that. Okay. There. So maybe both of us love Bell. Maybe you were you just jumped the gun to talk mess about me and it didn't work out, blew up in your face and now it's we've proven that we both like Bell. It, it actually blew up on if, if you look at if you go on Twitter, I actually thought Coach Ball was a player on that team. Uh, I didn't realize he was as old as he is. Uh, but uh, but let's move on, right? Let's... In 1982, <laughs> but uh, maybe maybe he was a, a, a child prodigy, like a Doogie Hauser kind of guy. <laughs> Doogie Hauser coach. All right, let's move on to 11 6 a, a couple matchups there. Um, I, at Mansfield and Cedar Hill, I mean, we talked about Trinity being 0-5. Nobody thought Cedar Hill would be 0-5 uh, in, in that area. And now they're playing a 5-0 Mansfield team. And this is the way for Mansfield to bury Cedar Hill and put themselves in that fourth spot and just be there. I mean, they're a 5-0 team. That's To me, that's kind of a surprise in its own right. I thought they may have picked up a loss by now. Now they have a chance to – you know, put that nail in the coffin with Cedar Hill. If it's not, I mean, there's probably six of seven nails into the coffin. They can put the seventh one in there with the win. Your thoughts on this game? Can Cedar Hill find a way to win and, and give us a little hope or no? Certainly they can, but I'm, I'm almost more interested in your thoughts on this one because you've seen Cedar Hill in person with your own eyes at least once, if not twice. Have you, have you seen twice? twice? Yeah. I have seen them twice, but uh, Duncanville lost and Rockwell lost. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a team that I don't think can beat will beat Mansfield just because I just feel like they're I mean, we talked about it with Ennis week one. It's just the, the language. I mean, they go out there and they get hit up early in these games. And once they, if that happens early, it's it's over. I mean, even that game against Duncanville, they're down 21 nothing. It really would have been a nightmare had the kickoff didn't bounce the wrong direction. They, he was like I said, he was the kick returner was entitled to let that thing go into the end zone, but it hit the one and, and it hit the curvature of the ball and went towards in the play. So he had to pick it up and that turned into a 99 yard touchdown. Otherwise they would have downed it and probably not scored either, either. It's, it's a deal where I don't think they believe, and that's the problem. They don't believe they can win now in which you haven't seen that in Cedar Hill in years, but I just don't think they believe they can pull these games off. 
And, and that's the kind of the fascinating thing that I really wanted to get your feedback on on this game is because you've seen them and, and you know, there, there is a little bit of a talent deficiency, but they've got some players, you know, they've got, yeah. they've got uh, uh, some kids on there who can do some damage. So could, could the bye week be the thing that turns it around? Could the bye week fix some of those ills? You know, they didn't lose last week. It's been two weeks. So it's kind right. of out of sight, out of mind. Uh, and now they, they're looking at it and all of a sudden it's basically a one game playoff. Because if they can beat Mansfield at this point, if they can beat Mansfield by enough to, to potentially win a tiebreaker with Mansfield Lake Ridge, since they've already, uh, you know, and, and they still have Lake Ridge to come up with and Mansfield's already beat uh, Lake Ridge. If they can win that game and then win that game by enough, potentially, they can be back into the playoffs. One week, yeah. all of a sudden, we go from Cedar Hill being 0-5 and, and that last nail getting nailed to all of a sudden kind of a de facto fourth playoff team. From what you've seen, is, is, is a bye week enough to fix what is illing Cedar Hill? I think it is. I think it is enough to get them to forget about what happened. I, if anything, it's like forget. I'm hoping that Coach Lynn and his staff have taken the game film of the first five games and maybe had a bonfire of some sort, burn it all up and say, hey, we're, we have a week to start from scratch here. You'll know in the first quarter, I think you'll know in the first quarter what we got going on here. If Mansfield's up by 17 in the first quarter, then we know that it's it's a complete shutdown for Cedar Hill and we're, we're done with that team for this year as far as the playoffs go. But if they're there in the first, if they have a lead after the first, this very well could be the turning point like you talked about. And we talked about it with South Grand Prairie. You know, they can start off 0-5 but still reel off five in a row. Now, I don't – they're not going to see who's not going to reel all five in a row, but they could get four out of five and get themselves back in a spot where, Hey, we've been dogging on them all year. All of a sudden they're in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you talked about the back half of certain schedules looking strong and looking weak. We talked about that with LD bell and Weatherford, how they're, you know, they're, they're a little more backloaded. Cedar Hill's got Skyline, Lake Ridge, and, and legacy, uh, you know, legacy and uh, this game against Mansfield. So they got four very winnable games if they can start here. Uh, and even if, they, if, even if they lose this game, you know, they're, they're still going to see some wins on this year. I think Skyline and uh, Legacy are absolutely wins for them. I'm still taking Mansfield. I, I you know, I, I think Mansfield, even if uh, Cedar Hill gets – gets back and, and gives one big punch. I think it's fascinating that the computer polls only have this as about a one score game. And I mean, I think that speaks to Cedar Hill's uh, Cedar Hill strength of schedule. Uh, I believe in Mansfield. I'm a big fan of Mansfield. I think they have a lot more talent than a lot of people are giving them credit for. Uh, and I do think they'll put that nail, you know, but for the, for the purposes of the podcast and wondering what if, Certainly, Cedar Hill is not going to lie, you know, lie down and, and, and die. I think they're going to uh, give fight, and I think this game is going to be a very close game. But I think Mansfield has the talent to pull it off. This isn't a, a desperation situation uh, where you know Cedar Hill is just better than Mansfield. They just haven't shown it yet. I think Mansfield is a better team, but Cedar Hill has so much pride. I think we're going to see the best version of Cedar Hill. I just don't know if it's enough this year. Absolutely. I would, I'm looking forward to seeing how that, that – like I said, after the first quarter, I'm looking forward to seeing where we're at in that game. Uh, let's talk about Duncanville and Wachahatchee and Duncanville. Uh, they're sitting around waiting for the DeSoto game, right? But they, they can't sleep on, on wax. So let's talk about how this game may play out after – I mean, Coach Tullison has been in the Indians' years because they had the bye week. Hey, we can do it. We came back against DeSoto – and almost did something there. Can we do this against Duncanville? No, I don't think they can. But uh, but you tell me what you think in this deal because 
I don't think there's uh, Reginald Samples teams usually don't have a look ahead. You know, if they don't look past anybody, they they want to they have fun putting these scores up on teams, and, and I don't think they will look ahead on Wax. But you tell me what you think. Uh, to me, this is a two to two and a half game, uh, two to seventeen point lead, two score to seventeen point lead. Is what I'm trying to say. When what do you think about that? So what are you trying to say, Ward? Is it is it two to two, two, two to seventeen? It's two to seventeen point win. Two to seventeen. That doesn't one, one of those numbers to... somewhere between two and seventeen, depending yes. on how safeties and uh, th- things work out with that. Uh, I almost want to tie this to our next game that we're going to talk about, and you might be like, "Well, what is Burleson Centennial and Denton Ryan?" And and you're like, "You're ruining my country games of the week." promo and, and you're going to get all of that ward but for me last week Waxahachie and DeSoto kind of illustrated how there is that second kind of a tier that when you're trying to get up to the, be a big boy like DeSoto and Duncanville uh, and DeSoto just swatted them down uh, and even though Waxahachie had the pedigree they had a couple of nice wins uh, you know they're undefeated at the point but you know all of a sudden you play a big dog and you get shown your place and you know and we've seen that quite a few times and I think we're going to see that with the game you'll be talking about when we move to 5A as well that uh, you know you can put up some nice numbers you can win some big games and people can think very highly of you but it is it takes something special to get to that elite zone in high school football Duncanville's been there Duncan, like you said they don't look past these things DeSoto has been there and I think Duncanville is going to beat Waxahachie probably I'll even go one up you I'm going to pick them by 21 uh, I think they're going to go even more than 17 and, and maybe Waxahachie Hatch even gets a late garbage score to get it down to 21 uh, because when they played the big dogs and you know there was no fluke in that DeSoto game DeSoto for the people who watched that game saw the highlights DeSoto came out and just beat them up and they were just a better team than them and I think Duncanville is going to uh, show you know Waxahachie one more of those kinds of things but it just takes so much to get to that next level. Uh, and, and that's something that will be our country game of the week that a team is going to be looking to do. And as a spoiler alert, I don't think it's going to happen there either. But tell us what you know, Ward. Yeah, so you're saying somewhere between 2 and 21 points uh, Dunkerville win, speaking in my type in my terms. But let's, let's move on to that game. Burleson Centennial with the, the, the spread option offense against the Denton Ryan team that got tripped up in game week one, uh, but since has, has had the benefit of a fairly easier schedule and taking care of their business, although they had a little bit of trouble with with uh, the colony, but they pulled off the win there. And Burleson Centennial is coming off of uh, just a, a great start, and they got a bye week, two weeks to prepare for this Denton Ryan game to try to push themselves into a tier that they were, you know, that we feel, feel like Byron Nelson has already reached and they want Burleson Centennial wants to reach that tier too. They want to be one of the teams that, okay, year in and year out, we're, we're that team. Obviously you've already given away that you think that's not going to happen. I personally think they will have the crowd support and have the talent on the team to, to make that happen. I don't know if they're going to win the game, but I do think it's going to come down to the very end. And I think they're going to stick it out with this team. And I think Philip Hamilton is a, Difficult quarterback to prepare for in, the, in a difficult offense. Denton Ryan has the beast to do that, but I just feel like but this could be Burleson Centennial's time to get to that tier they want to get to. Win or loss, even if they lose in the late aspect of the fourth quarter, I still think that pushes them up a little bit closer to that tier. 
Whereas I th- have you feeling you're going to tell me Denton Ryan's going to win by two to three, despite their issues at the quarterback position. You, you can speak very, you can speak a lot of truth into the problems that Denton Ryan has been having uh, all year. And, and it just looks like a little bit off. We kind of talked about that earlier in the podcast with Marcus and Lovejoy, how it's just, just been a little bit off. Uh, but when fights are, you know, fights are made by styles. And like you said, we've got kind of that triple option uh, offense over there with Burleson Centennial and you got Denton Ryan and Denton Ryan's, what is their strength? It's really their front seven. Uh, you know, it's Anthony Hill and, and players like that who, uh, you know, really highlight uh, Denton Ryan's strength in the middle of their defensive side of the ball. Offensively, they, they it, it's been very ugly and it's been very, you know, uh, you know, they only play one half. They only played one half against New Bronzeville. They only played one half against the Colony. But a lot of people forget that Colony game. And, and I've been debating Alito people all week about this. It was 24 to three at halftime. And then Den Ryan just has this switch that they just turn off where once they feel like they have the game and it's their game and they've won it. They, it, it just gets ugly real quick yeah. for them to play they very bad. The New Brun- they did that in the New Brunswick game, too, and it bit them in the ass. They shut her down the second half and ended up losing. It, it did. It was, it was a big old chunk right out of that tush. And, you know, what happened? One point lost there. They played around with their food, and they couldn't finish the job. But for me, this game is going to be a slow-paced game. I mean, Burleson Centennial is not going to go out, and, you know, obviously they can pass the ball. Uh, but, you know, it, it's not – and usually if they pass it, it's, it's a big play. Uh, but they like to get their chunks 8 to 10 yards at a time, which does set up those big plays. But with Denton Ryan, I don't think they're going to be able to run 8 to 10 yards at a time on that Denton Ryan front. Uh, and then they've got the secondary that can make plays uh, when they when they go long, even if it's a one-on-one kind of a thing. I, I just don't like the matchup for Burleson to Centennial. And I think this is going to be the game where Denton Ryan feels a little bit disrespected. And this is going to be the game where Denton Ryan reminds the Metroplex who exactly they are. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means, you know, two to 21 scores or anything like that. Uh, but I do think that Ryan will win a uh, 24 to 17, 21, 14 kind of game. That is an interesting point because it, going into the season, everybody was talking about this district and talking about, you know, waiting for that Ryan Alito game and, and talking about this and that. And since we've gotten into the season, we do not talk about Ryan as much as nearly as much as I thought. I mean, it has a lot to do with who they're playing on the schedule, but they're not getting their uh, name thrown out there nearly as much as as many people thought. Now it's going to happen coming down the stretch here because they're going to have teams and games that'll be on their TV. But maybe this is a time for them to, you know, they're going into any enemy environment. It, they want to get hungry here. They want to put their name out there. Maybe it is time to start throwing people around. So. We'll see how that game goes. I still think it's a, it's it'll be a late fourth quarter decision there in, in that one. Let's move on to four or five A Division One, uh, where we have uh, we have Lake Belton, Red Oak, Colleen Shoemaker, all making some noise here. What do you make of this three way little triangle? I, I know you love talking about these games each and every week, uh, but we actually have a lot of clarity now in, in this district. And, you know, we might not even get to talk about them much anymore after this uh, because, you know, the teams that we think are going to make the playoffs uh, all have the kinds of wins where we kind of know that it's going to take like two or three things to happen to completely upset the uh, the balance of this district. And, uh, you know, we have Lake Belton. They beat, uh, they beat Red Oak by one. 
and then Shoemaker beat Lake Belton by one, and now we have Red Oak beating Shoemaker by three. Uh, so when you kind of do your point calibrations, and, and we're not, we don't quite have the abacus out yet for the district uh, tiebreakers at the end, uh, but generally speaking, assuming Midlothian beats all of the teams and, and wins the district, Red Oak has pretty much locked their way into that second seed uh, because they'll have a plus two because they were plus three and minus one. Uh, and then you're going to have Lake Belton at zero as a third place team uh, because they were plus one and minus one. And then you're going to have Shoemaker as plus one, minus three. They're minus uh, two, so they're going to be in fourth place. Uh, so unless one of these teams upsets Midlothian, which is obviously possible, I think it's pretty much locked in that you're going to have Red Oak as a two seed, uh, Lake Belton as a three seed, and Colleen Shoemaker as your four seed, uh, assuming Midlothian keeps that number one seed, which I think is fascinating uh, that we can start to kind of break down because all three teams have played each other already this early. And when you start looking at these non-district matchups, uh, we saw Jake Strong is back with Justin Northwest. Let's say they only end up at being a four seed. If I'm Midlothian, do I want to see Justin Northwest, uh, who's had four or five weeks for Jake Strong to figure it out as you remember, in, like, oh, that's our gift. We get to play Justin Northwest. Those are going to be some very fun playoff games uh, in that 3-5-A versus 4-5-A pairing. Yeah, it's, you bring that up. It's happening again. I told myself it wasn't going to happen this year, but it's happening again with Midlothian as they are 6-0, and and they were all set to be our Country Roads game this week because they're going out to Granbury, who's off to a decent start, until we found out Burleson Centennial uh, counts as a, as a Country Road, and that game got skewed. And so here I am not, not seeing Midlothian as we're six games into the season and they've done nothing but win every game, doing everything they need to do to get on TV. And yet I, I still can't get out there. So I'm hoping down the stretch here, they got a Lake Belton game, which I don't, I can't even believe you haven't seen a Lake Belton game yet live considering as much as you talked about and how much you love that squad. They got Lake Belton coming up. They got Red Oak coming up. So hopefully we'll get a camera out there for one of those games before the playoffs start. And I do think that playoff week one will definitely be seeing Midlothian no matter where they're at. Let's yeah, very, very disrespectful to coach Wendell. I know he doesn't deserve that. I even told him to his face. I, I changed my ways, but I can't change my ways for some reason. Let's move on to the DISD district where we have WT white uh, taking on Byron Adams. It's actually not the DISD district, but there's two DISD teams in this matchup, but talk to me about how you feel this game is going to turn out and, and what it will mean to, Five, six, eight, or five, yeah, seven, excuse me. WT White looks like they figured it out. I think uh, after last week, I have WT White as my fourth seed. I can't wait for that WT White versus Newman Smith game. If it's a Thursday, maybe I'll get out to Standridge for that one, or maybe if it's over at uh, Lowe's. What, what's the football over by Lowe's? It's it's what it's called. They call it Lowe's, too. And it, But it's a Friday game at Smith. <sighs> so Come I on, Standridge. Roll on Saturday man. mornings or something. Come on, schedule makers. One job. You have one job to put meaningful games on Thursday, and what do you do? You stick it on a Friday. Stick it to me. Thank you, Athletic Director Putter, for that. Come on, <laughs> Renee. Give, yeah. help, help a brother out. But they got to get through. Uh, they got to get through Adams first, you, and you think that's not going to be a problem for them? I, I think they're going to blow out Brian Adams, and, and there's going to be some pretty lofty point spreads across the district. Uh, Mansfield Timberview, you know, I, I, I'm still not sold on them. I know you think that they're going to win the whole state championship this year, that, you know, they're just going to be bored, and they're going to be bored through the playoffs and play Longview in the third round and just be bored with all of that and just go right through it. But uh, I think uh, 
uh, Timberview showed me last week, they're a little bit more mortal than, than we might thought. Uh, but really, I think that, again, the more fascinating is going to be the fight for the four seed. Uh, and uh, this is Brian Adams' chance to get back into the uh, mix, uh, mix again as well. And I would be remiss if I did not give a shout out to our three and three RL Turner Lions. I mean, that, that for them is exceptional. Two and two in district. Shout out to our RL Turner. Good job. Ice, ice baby. Exactly. Vanilla Ice has got to be turning over in his not grave since he's still with us. But Vanilla Ice has got to be loving that mess. Hey, let's talk. Let's move on to six, five uh, A Division One. I. I mean, you can't tell if Lone Star is back because they played Liberty. Uh, but they, they need to beat the Centennial. They need to build up some momentum here in the next three games because their last two, they'll be fighting for their playoff lives there against Frisco and, and Heritage. But they got Centennial coming up. Uh, are they going to be healthy enough to take that team down or no? Yeah, I think they're going to win this game. But for me, it's going to be, and we've talked about this with multiple games over the last few weeks, how they do it. Uh, if Lone Star is struggling with them, if it's, you know, 21-14 at half and, you know, maybe – they win 35 to 21. I'll be very worried about Lone Star. And, and this is, you know, the fact that they've already lost two games. If they lose one more trip up and then get in a tie with Wakeland or something at the end, they're not going to fare very well in that tiebreaker uh, since uh, Lone or Wakeland beat them so badly. Uh, so I'm very curious to see if Lone Star can bounce back. Centennial is not a great team, but they're not Liberty. I, I, I think they're going to give, uh, you know, almost everybody at least a respectable get kind of a game in here. Uh, so if Lone Star can blow out Centennial, you know, three, four, five touchdowns, I think, okay, maybe we're going to see something with Lone Star. Maybe they're back. But if this game is close at halftime, close in the third quarter, and then maybe Lone Star pulls away, I'm going to be very, very nervous about Lone Star. Yeah, exactly. You can tell, uh, I can tell that Lone Star head coach, Jeff Rayburn is kind of thinking about the media and the way the media is thinking about him because Saturday when we're driving back from the show, I got an accidental text from him telling me he's stopping at Chick-fil-A and he'll bring some home, some food home back for the family. And I texted back, oh, that's great, man. I'll take a number three. He said, that was not meant for you. I said, all right, well, at least I'm on your mind. And I would still like to have some Chick-fil-A if you don't mind stopping off. But that that never happened for me. So I'm sad about that. I at lemonade. Yeah, exactly. I would like to have gotten something. Let's move over to the Longview Lancaster District and, and Longview's taking on Forney. Talk to me about why uh, this game is on our list here, because I think Longview's got this one. But is it is it a deal where they have to prove something to you? But by the way, they how they win against Forney? Yeah, you're exactly right on this. I'm, I'm very curious about point spread on this one. I think, you know, if we're looking at our pick em sheet, it's going to be Longview all the way down but I'm looking for the style points in this one. And I'm looking for Forney. If they're going to show me that they can, that that Crandall loss early in the first week of the season was a little bit of a fluke and that they've gotten better because they did beat Lufkin last week. Uh, they got to be competitive, at least two or three scores. Uh, and I think they will be competitive to that end, but Longview, uh, Longview is going to be looking to win this game by five or six scores to put Forney in their place. All right, Diggs, let's go into 5A Division Two, And at the district, a bunch of undefeated teams. We said last week about Frisco Memorial. You made it perfectly clear. They need to make – they need to get one big win in order to be taken seriously as a possible playoff thing. They almost got it against Lake Dallas. They almost got it, but they couldn't hang on, and Lake Dallas took care of things down the stretch. This week it's against an Emerson team that really is rolling here uh, – 
we expected a Kendall Miller team to do well, but maybe not this well in a, in a new UIL district for them. And yet they're still, they're sitting there undefeated and now they have a, a, a rival coming through. I don't even know if we can call them a rival because they've just been, school just started, but another Frisco ISD team coming through. Talk to me about what you think Memorial might do with Emerson. Yeah, I mean, we, we've been talking about this. Their first game was in 1892 against Frisco Memorial. And this rivalry has been heated up. Rivalry. And now 130 years later, we have, you know, the 130th Battle of the Craig Ranch or whatever we got over there in McKinney. Uh, yeah, I really want to take Frisco Memorial in this game. But the thing, the intangible that Frisco Emerson has that keeps me from doing that is, you know, if you look at that Hillcrest game, uh, and I know you were there, the resilience, the comeback, the ability to win those close games. I think Frisco Memorial is going to give them a close game, but Frisco Emerson has shown the confidence and that's a coach Miller kind of a, you know, his, his brand is to instill that kind of a confidence. I think we're going to see seven and oh Frisco Emerson after this, but I think it'll be close and I think it'll be a good game. And of course, after that, they got the three big dogs, the other undefeateds. I mean, there's four teams in this district who haven't lost, so that obviously means they're all going to play each other down the stretch with Argyle playing uh, Lake Dallas this week as well. But I think we both agree Argyle kind of take care of business there with Lake Dallas without too much resistance. And I think Frisco Emerson will have officially clinched the playoff spot. Uh, because they will have had wins over Denton, Frisco Memorial, and Creekview, which means none of those three can tie. And if none of those three can tie them, then that means they will be be one of the first teams that have clinched the playoff spot at seven and zero. Frisco Emerson, how much money would you have won if you went to Vegas and you said, "Okay, I'm going to pick a team that's going to clinch the first playoff spot in DFW Metroplex. I'm going to put my money on Frisco Emerson to be that team." And Vegas would have said, hey, excuse me, are, are we talking NFL or uh, what's going on here with Emerson? i got to look this team up. And then I would have to explain myself for for weeks. Let's move on to 4A uh, division. And then you would have gotten a, stir- a sternly worded letter from Susan Elza letting you know about gambling. And yes, they, they wouldn't have let that stand for sure. Hey, there's a game you're going to be at this Thursday. O.D. White is taking on – or excuse me. Yeah, O.D. White is taking on Northside. Northside, you always like to throw in my team, and I do like – I do like that team, but you they're four and one and they're kind of rolling a little bit here and they're taking on ODY, who's also picked up some big wins. Uh, who do you have in this game and, and what's that going to mean for playoff implications coming through this? Yeah, I feel like Odie Wyatt got a little exposed by our five and oh Arlington Heights team. We talked a little bit about them. I know you said Coach Young was excited about this year's team, and now he's sitting at five and oh, and he's gonna be sitting at six and oh because he should, he's a pretty big favorite over Trimble Tech next week. Uh, and obviously they still have Grapevine and they still have uh, Colleyville Heritage to play, uh, but it's a good time to be a yellow jacket over there at Arlington Heights. Northside is a team that I did not expect to make the playoffs, and if they can beat Wyatt all of a sudden that fourth spot is looking like theirs because Wyatt's already beat Southwest. And obviously Southwest will have the ability to, to even that up and, and beat Northside and maybe make a three-way tie. Northside, it's just hard to explain. When I look at O.D. Wyatt 
they've got so many athletes, but they don't really necessarily play. They play, they have penalties and turnovers, and uh, there's a little bit of a lack of discipline. Northside doesn't seem to have that issue. They play hard, and they play that risk-averse style that we kind of talked about earlier with Plano, that they're not making a lot of mistakes just through their offensive style. And I think against Wyatt, that might be an intangible to give them a win. I'm going to pick Northside. I think it's a bit of an upset, even though both teams are four and one, uh, and both teams are one and one in district. So it's hard to say Northside is a is a big underdog. But given the uphill battles that we know that Northside has to go through as a football team uh, and as a program, I think it would be a big upset, especially with the pure athleticism that Wyatt has. I think we're going to see Northside take it uh, and potentially get to that fourth playoff spot again. Imagine that, another Northside playoff team. Another Northside story. I know you love them, Wizzy. I know you love the Northside stories down the stretch. Hey, let's move on to five, uh, 5A Division II. Uh, return of Pox, our, one of our big-time shooters. He's missed the last three weeks because of uh, some family trauma. But he is back out there, and he will be at Midlothian Heritage against Summit. really seems like a uh, Newsome-type game, but it's not. It's an R.L. Anderson game. So, Good luck finding parking pox. <laughs> Good luck out there. But anyway, he's at R.L. Anderson, and that game to me is extremely intriguing to me because we don't, you know, someone's on the come up. They're coming back from a tough start, and Midlothian Heritage just keeps plugging away. This is this is is a very interesting game in my point because Heritage has only given up twenty points in the last four games, but here comes Summit, and they've they've put them together a couple wins in a row where they've scored 75 in the last two games. I have to derail your thought process because I'm just amazed. It's like they still play games at R.L. Anderson. When's the last time? Yeah, you can you believe that? I haven't been there in years. And I was like, oh, they got a big game. I'll, I'll send Pox out to Newsom. He said, nope, you don't get that game. We're going to put legacy there this week. Or I don't know who's really playing there, but I said R.L. Anderson, huh? It's, they've got those back roads. It's very difficult to get to, but Pox will have to find a way. You'll have to find a way, and he will for the inside high school sports fans. Uh, and I, I, I'm shocked at that. I mean, I can't remember the last time a game of meaning has been played at R.L. Anderson. That's like if they dusted off old Ron Poe over in McKinney, and that, that would get meaningful, like McKinney versus McKinney Boyd or something. Uh, you, you said it great, that Mansfield Summit, has, it seems like they figured it out once they got to district. Uh, even their last game against Crowley, they kind of figured it out in, in non-district. Uh, and, and they've been kind of on that uphill climb. Uh, you know, and we saw Crowley beat Weatherford recently. And, uh, and, and Weatherford had a nice win over Burleson. So you kind of calibrate all of those two teams. I, I think Midlothian Heritage is just a couple of steps better than Mansfield Summit. Uh, I think Mansfield Summit will make it closer than a lot of people think. I think it will be a one-score game. Uh, but I think Midlothian Heritage will, will win it. Yeah, I'm kind of on that thought process as well, but you never know. Crazy things happen at R.O. Anderson. At least that's what they tell me, considering I haven't been there in God knows how long. Let's move over to six five. Even you and I, when you took me out to that Italian restaurant uh, in, in Mansfield last year, I don't even know if R.O. Anderson was in existence then. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it was in existence, but we just couldn't find it. They hadn't dusted it off yet. All right, let's talk six five A Division two because we are going to have cameras covering Siegelville and we haven't seen Siegelville since I went to Siegelville against I think they played sock the year I went there and that was a while ago but they have a chance here to make a little noise I don't know how close they'll keep it with Woodrow Wilson but as of you know going into this game they are 1-0 and they 
they're just into this pool play, pool play as anybody else. Yeah, I, I think if you're a Hillcrest fan, you're definitely cheering for Seagaville in this one because uh, that means that you have a chance to beat Woodrow Wilson straight up for that second spot in the north zone. Uh, if Seagaville, if Woodrow Wilson wins that, uh, then you got to beat Woodrow Wilson by an, enough to, to force a three-way tie uh, because Seagoville beat uh, Hillcrest early uh, last week. Uh, so I think our friends in Hillcrest uh, who have the week off, so they might even go check that game out, uh, go go right behind our cameras and, and check things out and cheer them on, uh, the Seagoville Dragons. Uh, I think Woodrow Wilson has figured it out. Uh, this is a team that I'm a little disappointed by, to be you know blunt with you. Uh, they're 2-0 in district, and, and that's great, and, and the, but – the, the non-competitive way that they were playing in non-district really kind of like, like what's wrong with them? I mean, this was a team that was nine and oh, nine and one uh, last year, you know, just a team that uh, looked like they'd, you know, it, it was like sock. And then you had a second tier of Woodrow Wilson and then you have everybody else. And and now Woodrow Wilson has been kind of pulled down into that muck and mire uh, is South Oak Cliff and everybody else. Uh, so this is a chance for Woodrow Wilson to silence the doubters, namely me, uh, and, and perhaps uh, build upon the fact that they've won their last two games uh, pretty convincingly, uh, including uh, beating Conrad 54 to nothing. And that was a game I picked Conrad to win. Uh, and it's, it's very humiliating to pick a team to win. And then, you know, they, you, they lose 54 to nothing. <laughs> they get shut completely down completely shut down uh, but I think Woodrow Wilson will win this game and, and make me look a little bit of a fool again uh, but I, I have him winning this game pretty comfortably because I don't know what happened in that Seagoville Hillcrest game Hillcrest was suffering for, from some injuries or turnovers I didn't really dig that deeply into that that's a game that I, I believe Hillcrest should have won and I think he'll, uh, Woodrow Wilson will win this game comfortably two to three scores yeah I kind of agree with you on that one uh, our last game we're going to talk about is Denison and Terrell uh, we talk about 7-5A Division Two, and we have three teams that we've pretty much not only penciled, we've changed that to pin uh, with Melissa Lovejoy and Crandall going into the postseason, but you have to have a fourth spot. And I have a feeling this is why we're talking about this one, because uh, is, it, is, is Terrell going to fight for that fourth spot, or is this one where Denison can kind of pull, pull themselves out and say, okay, we're going to be that fourth team. Uh, let's let's go out and take on an 8-6-A or 8-5-A Division Two number one team because we're ready to be in there. Yeah, I think Denison, when you when you look at that, uh, this is for one of the four, you know, one of the spots. I think uh, Mesquite Poteet uh, will also be competitive for that four spot uh, when all is said and done. But Denison already having a win over Greenville, uh, this is huge for them to kind of give them those buffer win, buffer wins. Terrell athletically, I, I think, is a little bit underrated. Uh, and, and they match up very well against Denison. Denison plays a little bit undisciplined. I mean, when I, when I hear from some of my friends in Lovejoy, you talked about that Denison game, uh, that Denison just didn't really, like, you know, understand what was happening at times. You know, they looked a little bit out of sorts and, uh, you know, and it allowed Lovejoy to, to get behind them pretty easily and, and kind of do what they wanted to. And if Denison plays a sloppy game against uh, Terrell, uh, Terrell is good enough to beat them. Denison at their best versus Terrell at their best. I'm taking Denison, but I haven't seen Denison at their best this year. Uh, and it looks like Terrell, uh, you know, they've had a bye week now, uh, you know, and, and they've had two uh, losses in district, but they're playing some of the big dogs in district. Uh, I think they have a chance to uh, perhaps pull an upset. This is a game I have on upset watch. I think Denison will figure it out, though, and, and they'll win it. But it would not surprise me at all to see Terrell with an upset. 
That's always good to see upset watch Dixie out there making those kind of crazy predictions. And you're, you, you could be right on that one. The Terrell Tigers, maybe Jamie Foxx will be out there rooting them on. Who knows? Hey, that's going to do it for this week. Let's, let's talk a little bit about what's coming up on the show. Who gets the bobblehead this week? Well, we're going to give it to name it for us. Uh, big, big defensive lineman. Marcus deal is going to come into the show and get his bobblehead, uh, we're going to talk some next level stuff on some underrated running backs. One we talked about on this podcast for quite some length with Byron and Nelson, Ellison at Louisville, but we're also going to talk about Coco Brown. Uh, he's going to Sam Houston state, but he's one of the underrated guys because he's one of the leading rushers in all of five A. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, Country roads, as we mentioned, is going to Burleson Centennial. Our big Whataburger game of the week is, is going to be North Crowley and Boswell. We're going to have a stacked show. I'll be at, uh, as we discussed, I'll be at Weatherford and L.D. Bell, but that's after I see a little bit of South Lake Carroll and Keller. Uh, we haven't seen South Lake Carroll that much, and I don't expect them to have too much trouble with Keller, but we need to see what how close Owen Allen is getting to to Eno Benjamin, but not Jonathan Gray. He is not going to get close to Jonathan. All right, Alito fans, give me a break. Get off my back. I'm I'm doing the best I can here. But we're and you're heading to Plano East. Are, are you acknowledging Alito in the Metro? I'm Plano? acknowledging Alito. Heck, we've done enough stories on Jonathan Gray that I should have remembered that. So when we handled the old Owen Allen, his bobblehead earlier this year. But yeah, that's the Dallas Morning News just creating controversy because they define Dallas area. And and we expect more out of the Dallas Morning News and to, you know, basically ignore Parker County. But here on the DFW podcast, we do not ignore Alito. We embrace our friends in Parker County. There you have it. There you have it. There you have it. And you're heading to Fort Worth on Thursday, correct? Fort Worth for Clark Stadium, uh, where you should have been instead of at uh, Crowley Stadium. You should have been there for that Joshua and Southwest game. It was a 34-33 barn burner the last second. You're watching North Crowley blow out Lovejoy. Yeah. Uh, instead of seeing some good football. But I'll be back at Clark, and I expect a good game like that. Uh, then I'll go hit Bobby V's, have my nachos, uh, come on home and get ready to go to your neck of the woods if I can get through the security barricades over there yes. that you're setting up. And we are going to try to keep you out. we got to keep oh, you out of the Jaguar Stadium. This is going to be I ridiculous. I think I'll go hit Saviano's. We'll... Oh, what about Salerno's? There, whatever that place is on. <laughs> you mispronounce the name every single time we're on here. So it's Salinos, and it's not Braxton Hicks, Daggett. I'm, I'm going to go eat Braxton Hicks at Saviano's. <laughs> All right. Well, have fun. Hopefully, you, you, you find a seat in there. Out of it. I should give, make them have you have a lawn chair, sit out in the, well behind the band out there somewhere. I'll be at the 50-yard line about all the way up. That's where I'll be. You can, you, you get, if you take a picture, that's where you'll see me. 50-yard line all the way. I like you coming through here. Go Panthers. Do they play Marcus over here, too? I don't enjoy you coming. Marcus has got to come to Kimbrough this year. All right. Well, we'll let that happen. I'd rather go over that way and have you dragging your Plano East butt over here and telling my Flower Mound team that they're not going to win a game this year. I sure hope they win one because I'm going to be pretty. It'll probably be this one, knowing my luck this year. That's true. All right, that's it for Digging for Wisdom. Uh, we will be back next week to talk some more. I told a lie. We, we do go to Marcus this year. I'm sorry. I, I had that had that second of doubt after I said that. Yeah. And we do have to go to both Flower Mound schools this year. I got to go to Flower yeah. Mound twice, Ward. This twice. Is good. 
this is then Marcus is even closer to me. So maybe you can stop by here instead of driving an hour out of your way to go to Bobby V's in Arlington. Maybe you can stop by my house and I'll cook you a box macaroni and cheese. Do you love it? A bowl of cereal, raisin bran. I, I have one more question to ask you, Ward, because you what's know, your question I, there, I, tough guy? I, I started, and, and I know you can probably edit this out because you have the power of the editor. Uh, but are there any high school football teams with the uh, with the mascot of Commanders in Texas? Do you know of any Commanders? In I Texas? do not. I think that's a no. I, I think that is a unique thing, and 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 fortunately, you know, we 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 don't have any Texas schools that have to have that robe of dishonor placed on them being commanders yeah, like that. how about we don't have any texas teams that have their sweet alternative all black unis either boy oh boy the commanders really got some things going for them don't they oh, brother we also don't have any high school uh teams that have a quarterback that has the pocket presence of, of mr carson wins too and we don't have any quarterbacks in DMV that under, that understand how to get rid of a ball like my man Wentz does. He's gotten intentional grounding two weeks in a row because he doesn't know how to get out of the pocket and throw it away. I don't understand it, Diggs, and I'm not going to get angry again, but you just bring this out of me, and I wish I could give up on this team, but I just can't quit you, Commanders. I can't quit you. All right, but I can't quit this podcast. All right, we're out of here, Diggs. Talk to you later. <laughs>